hello and welcome to another um, episode. I think I'm going to call this the friend verse, which I I don't know. It'll, it's like a large. Maybe I should come up with what's Jake. What's bigger than a universe? I don't even know. I mean, a multiverse, of course. So hmm, the the multi friend verse. I don't know. It's it's getting a little clunky. It is. Do you have a way to punch that up? Um, will be a, a bigger than a because the friendo sphere the friendo sphere i love it the f- perfect <laughs> so, uh, uh, a bill is in the mail <laughs> shit okay i hate it never mind <laughs> <laughs> well welcome uh, everyone to the friendo sphere and this is the before verse within the friendo sphere if that makes any sense for so, those keeping track yeah so we're gonna be um we did uh, before sun rise, right. yes, and we're now at before sunset. So this is my um, th- again. This is when Josh is sleepy. He gets sleepy after every franchise. He does such hard work. He does such a good job, and he needs a little break. So um, I call my friends like uh, superheroes, and we do a little without Josh. We miss him, but um, this is a little pause from josh and enter my friends and maybe someday other people but i'm starting with my friends because i have their phone numbers <laughs> so um, jake is uh, a a poet uh a pirate a storyteller a robot um, but a nice one and uh he's um yeah he's here to join us for the before verse the richard linklater series how are you doing Good. I am at least two of those things. Okay, great. I'm, I'll get them all right by the end. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm 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 re- I'm in the before mood. I'm I'm ready for more before. Yeah, this one is um, I've sort of seen them like exponentially less, and this one I think is I've only seen before midnight once, but this one's my favorite. It's just like is somehow. I think Before Sunrise is like a perfect movie, and this is somehow a more perfect movie. I'm not really quite... I don't know. That's like the power of the franchise is that somehow you can have something you love, and then they make another one, and it's even better. It's certainly more bold. Like, I was watching this going like, oh, they're stripping it down, like, even further, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was that was something else. Like, I was I was, like, nicely surprised by just, like... They're just like, we know we've fleshed these characters out and we're going to just let them go. And mm. that was something else. In, in Paris this time. Let them of loose course. in Paris. They um they didn't get too... They didn't do anything too crazy while they were in Paris. They sort of just, I guess, walked around. As as you do. Yeah. So they weren't really... Yeah, they were let loose in a very Linklater way just to like, okay, just chat. Just please chat in Paris. And they did it. Yeah, rue a rue. <laughs> but I do agree. This is like we talked last episode about how like those mont that montage moment with that song is like sort of strange and surreal in a way. And this this like doesn't even have anything like that. This is you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is real time. I, I think it, this it's is as close as you could be. I feel like they they intentionally make you aware of how much time is left and how much time has passed to like say like we're not cutting out of this like this is yeah you're you're spending this cramped amount of time they have together like yeah like you said in, in pretty much real time 
yeah, I think there's certainly cuts between like when they leave the shop and when they, mm-hmm. but I honestly think that maybe the one where they leave the coffee shop is potentially the only one where we might have lost like a few seconds, but I'm pretty sure they tried very hard to make this one feel much more like it was just an hour and 20 minutes of these people's lives, which is, I don't know, this whole series is so, like they shouldn't work. And I think it's a power of everyone involved because they're all such huge collaborators. Like they're all writers on the project. And yeah, they were just given like a really amazing space to just be like anti-actors, but not in a like a a silly way, but just like really stripping down what acting is to be, we don't really need a story. We don't need a plot. We just need these really interesting setup to have these people just talk and not talk. I think that's only, I'm, I was, I'm sure you noticed too, but the like, when they're not talking to me was they're really special in this movie. Yeah. E- Ethan Hawk with those eyes just staring <laughs> at her like, Oh man, I messed up. Look at her go. Like she's, she, Did you, she's um, my, uh, yeah. The, what is it? The pixie dream girl. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. She's the French, French pixie. Did you French. see this? Um, have you seen this before? No. I had no oh. idea going in and uh that's why it felt so bold. I was like, man, 10 people wait 10 years, you know, and like they didn't they didn't up the ante, they zoomed in, which was cool. Like Linklater was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. The con- the conversation's going to get better. It's going to have marinated for a decade. Yes. And, uh, these people are going to be bursting at the seams to to share something. So uh, yeah, I had no, nothing going in. As soon as you know, he was a writer, I almost rolled my eyes, but it like it like worked very well, uh, especially once you learn he is not happy. Mm, yeah. Um, we spoke last time about now that you're a romantic, more of a romantic in your old age, you appreciated the first one more than you ever have. And I was sort of curious because in some ways this is less romantic and then in other ways i found it to be much more romantic and i wasn't really sure how because i'm older than you and even like i think i've sort of i had my romantic peak a few years ago and i'm just sort of now on the trough like heading towards the trough of <laughs> old age and cynicism but i'm curious like if you're peaking romance like how did this one feel i it, it's it felt like uh very realistic like it is a calculus we do uh, for family, for career, for whatever, uh, of of duty versus love, of like uninhibited love, and and some people I feel like take it upon themselves to like put love above everything, even to the detriment of uh, you know their 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 immediate families for like an eventual happiness, and and this one was you could tell them doing that that calculus in in real time, you know, just like man, did, did I mess up? Am, you know, can I get out of this problem of, you know, being in a relationship I'm not too happy with? Like, you, yeah, you, it, it was very, very, uh, yeah, but cynical and romantic at the same time. So I, I, I don't know. I I've been in their situation in forms through my life, you know? So it's, it's, it's like, I related to it very heavily. Um, but like understood, like, yeah, why they weren't just like so immediate, like, let's, you know, get a hotel and like, just screw it. We're, you know, we're together now. That's the end. Uh, he, Yeah, it was masterfully done to to make it seem reasonable. They didn't do that, despite, like you said, the time in between the conversation where they're just staring at each other like, you know, man, this I, I want to be around this person all the time kind of thing. 
Yeah, that's actually the I love how the first one feels so much more like frenetic and the like the ending could have it's just this one makes you realize when it's just like, oh, he has to catch a plane back to New York for no real reason because his his like agent tells him to. It like Linklater masterfully sets up these it what seems like an airtight just sort of oh my god this is like we're, we're, the clock is ticking but both of them are literally just catching public transportation or like pu- transportation mm-hmm. where you can just easily just like miss the train or miss the plane yeah and i i like this one is like the stakes the, as you said it's like it's much more realistic it's not quite so like they're not bouncing all over the walls and talking about like as a quick example like the reincarnation chat in the first one compared to this one where the first one they spend yeah. like five minutes being like wow what about all these souls are they mini souls are there more souls are there new souls and here she's just like yeah reincarnation's silly <laughs> and then it's just like i don't know it's like it seems jaded in some ways but it's also it allows for so much more so all the things that felt big in the first one feel much more small allowing for the real like pathos and beauty to really shine forward because we're not distracted by being a 23 year old yeah the, you know the all of the eye rolly stuff from the first one that was you know it was nice but it was still like oh they're young they're saying these things they're kind of talking out of their ass uh you know for better or for worse here it was like all meat and potatoes you know it was just like the like they needed this conversation so badly and it's like you could both tell the other one just couldn't wait to like just get it all out you know just what's been going on in their lives and why they're happy and why they're unhappy and um yeah yeah the gravity was was there uh for sure and um yeah it was all dialogue pretty much yeah 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 and then there were these wonderful silent moments before we get into those though i do feel like we made some predictions last episode we also were a little disappointed not in who they sent but just how they dressed the american Mm. And I'm just curious, but before we get too deep into the episode, I just want like a little fashion corner where we can maybe dissect what Ethan Hawke is up to and what um, Julie Delpy were they chose. And if it was an improvement or if it was just another sort of distorted, like, I don't know. I, I think he looks uh, better in some ways, yeah. but I also, yeah, I'm feeling like he, he's just hair. Let's talk haircuts. Bad. Just not good bad. for either of them. Just two bad haircuts. He looks like a chia pet. Yeah. It was just awful. I was, I missed his like I didn't really like his haircut in the first one, but I don't know. I just have high hopes for the third one that he finally can look as pretty as he is. Yeah, haircuts are huge. Yeah, she uh, she, you know, she kind of kept the same deal, no no manicuring of it, and uh, he just sort of like went with whatever he could have uh, grown out like a. I'm a ri- very serious writer, you know, sort of like. Uh, longer hair sort of thing or uh, uh even a shaved bald you know in a, a moment of 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 frustration you yeah know, there's there was some some room there to uh contextualize maybe how poorly you know he sees himself or his his current marriage yeah but no we got a car salesman yeah he, he kept his hair his hair was at that length where it's like it sticks up when you have his kind of hair i think i have his kind of hair and you just have to know that you either need product at that point or you need to like cut those sides down because when the sides are sticking out the same as the top, I don't know. It was just sort of, it was a, like, that was a disappointing way to greet our hero is just to see this, um, I don't know, poofy. He was just a poofy guy in this movie. 
I don't want it. I don't know. I wouldn't wish that upon my enemy, like a poofiness about you. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, he 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 was like, all right, I'm going to Paris, the city of love. I'm going to dress like an adjunct professor. <laughs> yeah. His beard looks better. I think he, he got a little more. I mean, I'm still not a huge fan of the goatee, but he pulled it off better than. Oh, wait. Shit. Do you have a goatee or no? It's just a mustache, right? Just a mustache. Okay. You just haven't shaved in a little bit, so you got what I thought might it's have been. It's coming a in. It's it's a five o'clock shadow or, or sure two to is. three day shadow. Wow. But uh Okay, good. Yeah, I think I think the goatee is 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 a st- is a bridge too far. I do think the Fu Manchu or the the extended mustache both totally reasonable options, but mm-hmm. for some reason the goatee just screams getting a fight in a youth baseball game. Like it's just never I just I just don't have any positive connotations. I have theories about the goatee. And you know, they might be outdated. They're certainly looking at masculinity, but I feel like men like to grow the beard. I think that's uh, I think most men like to grow the beard and unfortunately not all men can grow the beard. And uh, they 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 do. Masculine guys like to grow the beard. But you have these gaps. Some people have the gap. So yeah, I don't. I don't have a full beard. My my beard goes. Uh, it like kind of starts at the bottom of my uh, jawline and then grows down. So I would have like a sort of neck beard Nebuchadnezzar sort oh. of situation if I grew it out. Uh, my beard does not go up my face at all. It goes like mustache down. Okay. So when, I, when I grow a very thick beard, it, it takes a long time before it looks like not just a raggly mess. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty blessed with a, a robust beard, though I do have gaps um, between my ears, like but, but where the mm. the sideburn connects to the beard. So that's a I don't know. So I think the gap is what people have to concern themselves with, and most people who can grow beards are fine with the chin and fine with the mustache. So I think the goatee is just like the statement of a person that wants a beard but just like doesn't deserve it. Yeah, you know, and I, I, it makes me wonder if. I think I've seen Ethan with a, a beard, but now I wonder maybe it's a, a, a phony Hollywood beard. It's just really, it probably I don't know. is based on the way his hair looked in the movie. It looked very patchwork. Like if he grew it out, he would look uh, like a, a vagabond. You know, it would just it wouldn't come in thick. It would it would be very patchwork. Yeah. Uh, much like his personality, uh, you know, in, in the film, <laughs> he's it's a bit of a patchwork. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I do feel like this is Celine's movie. I feel like she's driving a lot of it, and his a lot of his his he does the like say something rude and then immediately go oh, oh, oh no I'm just joking. I don't know if you noticed like that really was striking just to me. Just this, kidding. Just yeah, I, kidding. Did no, I did notice that. Uh, that's a that's a manipulator behavior. We gotta we gotta watch out for uh, the yeah. next before movie. He's, he's these are not good trends, right? Even. You're a French whore. <laughs> You're not a French whore. <laughs> Trappist monk sucked my cock. Oh, that's silly. He did not do that. That didn't happen. I really liked that conversation. That was one of the best written scenes, I thought. It was very funny. Yeah. I was a little suspect, though, being from France. I feel like she'd know what that is. I, I feel like you would know what a Trappist monk is if you are French and have grown up around the city I of think Paris. so they're mostly Belgian right the Trappists I don't even really know it's like it's extended French you know it's it's basically the same thing yeah more though maybe in the, um I mean I'm just I'm just trying to defend my 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 fan here my lady um 
maybe they're called something other than Trappists. So it's sort of like it's just in in English Very they're called Trappists. That lost in translation, maybe because she did know about their cock sucking behavior after she heard a little bit more about what they are. There's a little to. inconsistency, right? Because they're like, oh, I've only had I'm like a monk. I've only had sex like four times in the last ten years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, that doesn't gel with what we heard earlier. They're they're having all the time. They're, they're fucking it sucking. They're they're going crazy up in the the monastery. <laughs> like it's it's not right. <laughs> Which is it, Celine? Do yeah. they never fuck, or are they just constantly fuck? I mean, I guess that's what religion's all about, right? The ineffable, really not knowing what God's plan is. It, or, it, or... Yeah, it's a Father, Son, Holy Spirit situation. Sure, uh, sure. Where, yeah, yeah. It's it's simultaneously happening and not happening, right? And uh, has always happened. So yeah. Wow, an Ouroboros of of uh, monks just in a big pile of beer making flesh. It's uh, it's mm. beautiful, it's honestly. It's really good. Um. So, and then I think the shirt, pants, shoes, jacket. I mean, it's all fine. Better, yeah. I think, than the first one. Though there was a now seeing what he's like nine years later, and dressed up. I sort of appreciate more his you know, like big leather jacket look in the and sweater. It's not great still, but yeah, I think he doesn't, I don't know, Ethan, in, he's not dressing really well in this franchise so far. Yeah, it, and it almost feels very conscious of like, we're going to do nothing to distract the viewer. Like that's hmm. like how it's seen, you know, it's like these are going to, we're going to have the most inoffensive, but beautiful sets and we're going to have the most inoffensive, uh, but quaint, you know, sort of like way the, the characters are dressed. And and it's just like everything is pointing us back to what is being said. It's like they almost don't want us to have any clues. Mm-hmm. The problem is, though, I'm uh, easily offended by bad haircuts. So I was a little distracted. Like if he had black finger paint and a gold earring, like we would read <laughs> so hard into that. We would just yeah. be we would just be dissecting that left and right. But no, he's dressed like, yeah, you know, yeah, like a, like a insurance salesman. Yeah, he looks fine. Um celine's choice of wearing the like not quite crop top but like tiny dress i guess that was just a tiny dress yeah it it did feel like she was was sending some some vibes with her clothes she was trying to project a little bit of 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 sexiness you know like she wasn't she didn't show up in a you know like a like a A marshmallow yeah she didn't she just didn't wear marshmallows yeah, <laughs> but I guess that's true. She planned to be there very specifically, right. and he planned to be she was there. The calculated one, hopefully. So he was there optimistically, and she was there deliberately. And I think, uh, you know, I started this conversation just because I just like the way he's been dressing for two movies. But maybe there is. You've been pointing out some really great ideas about it, which are more than just whether I liked his outfit. That's why <laughs> I brought you here. I just love reading between the lines. Just, mm. just give give it all to me. I'm I'm Sherlock Holmes here. Did you see um that she had a review of his uh his his book on the in her apartment? No. When when he came by at the end, I missed that detail. It's on the it's on the counter table or something. When she's looking at um he's looking at the pictures on the wall. Wow. Yeah. So it's a very deliberate. I love the way once again the first one. The things they're hiding from each other are very different, but the strategy is still the same. You know, they mm-hmm. talk around it for a while, and then at about the hour point of the movie, they just like dive into the meat or the the meat substitute, I guess, in my case, of uh, 
what they really like what they waited and i think that's such a like that is a relatable experience to figure out how to approach a subject with someone especially this crazy situation they're both in it really is i mean i i I can't even imagine right because it's like i don't know we've all been in we i feel like a lot of people have been in very specifically that situation where it's like they're in a relationship they're not sure they have some sort of like obligation whether it be like a child or a long-term lease or like financial they own a home together and and you're just sitting there doing all the calculus like do i do i throw it all away like this person is is so appealing um i i felt a lot in this movie mm. i don't know i saw i saw all of the parallel lives you can live uh through these yeah. characters for sure yeah cuz yeah what is what is him saying yes immediately look like you know like a reboot of the first movie and then he calls his wife on a payphone like what happens you know yeah and i I really admire that this movie's an hour and 20 minutes like they didn't try to pad it to a full like respectable feature length of a night at least a 90 minute movie they just i think that's what we talked last episode about like why we're not getting a fourth one this year it's just they want to make good things and they don't want to make successful things i think i was reading an interview with ethan hawk and he's like before sunset might be a sequel to the worst grossing movie ever made like (laughs) most sequels follow successful movies where people are interested and are excited to see what happens And i think before sunrise was just like a box office i don't know if it was a bomb but it just like it wasn't you know something that most people consider franchise worthy my aunt saw it and referenced it i remember the first like i had a memory i when i was watching it i was like oh can't say in this line when i was a kid or something like that or talking about this so you know there's one person out there in rural florida oh wow paid a ticket so it was um a two and a half million dollar budget and it made five and a half million dollars at the box office so not a not a bomb it doubled its money but um in the grand scheme of things five million dollars is a you know it's no um what's it called um oh, avatar <laughs> uh i was thinking of the the tree the one about the little tree that can't talk starring vin uh, diesel um and starman starman and the tree what was the, um guardians of the galaxy oh i don't know but yeah. i thought you were gonna say uh was it after dark or uh pitch black pitch black yeah i thought you were talking about pitch black <laughs> i was like yeah, we, I did the, we did we did Vin Diesel's been, I think, probably the most watched actor because we did all the fast movies. We did Pitch Black. Wow. We our first Patreon episode is about his witch movie, which I don't know if you saw that, but um I did not. Mm, not worth seeing, I don't think. But it is funny. Yeah, yeah. Man, I I that, that's a memory hole, the the pitch black movie series. Like I think I saw like most of those in theaters. Uh, there's only remember- three. And then there's a fourth yeah. the, there's an animated short like a 40 minute DVD movie that was the best. Yeah. I saw the Chronicles of Riddick in, in theaters for sure. Yeah. And then I think I saw the sequel baffling, a baffling franchise that truly is, it's kind of yeah. like hard SF stuff, but like pumped into like a Hollywood movie. Did you know that Vin r- traded the rights for the Riddick verse in exchange for his cameo in Tokyo drift? That was, uh, that was probably smart, right? <laughs> yeah, he didn't. Even, he didn't even get paid. He just was wow. like, "I want 
No one wants Riddick. No one likes Riddick. I love it. And I will be making these forever. And he just like, he's the only reason why there are three Riddick movies is because Vin Diesel just loves it. Yeah, apparently he's just a huge uh, tabletop gamer as well. I've seen him on uh, on Critical Role before, which was, was yeah. pretty sweet. So uh, good for him. Yeah, he's good. And then my friend Jesse and I just did um, the pacifier for Father's Day. Oh boy. Yeah. So yeah, we're <laughs> we're Vin heavy here on on when will it end? Do do either of you have a good Vin Diesel impression? I feel like josh does oh boy josh has a good one it's it's, i don't i I don't even think i can begin to attempt it but yeah it's just i don't know it's like it's like a car it's i I think he's the closest to just being a car person yeah it's 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 like a like a like to use a music term it's he's got like a throaty sort of like like uh what's the word like when when like the air intakes on a vehicle where it's just like that or like it's like yeah yeah i just hear it in his voice it's very uh not human Mm, car man (laughs) but none of these everyone here was speaking quite um quite nicely i do like that celine's makes fun of his french again it's the curse of the american and he he carries that burden well yeah, I think he almost believed it when, like, when she's like, "Oh, is he even brushing up your French?" He's like, "Oh, thanks. <laughs> You've really mastered the language." I think this movie really digs a little deeper into the ways that they are, like, they don't get quite as the fights they get into in the first one aren't really fights, but like their disagreements are much bigger because they're talking so grandly about shit that doesn't really matter. And here, like, the scene in the car is really intense when she's like, "I need to leave the car." Yeah. How do we feel about that? That was like that was at this the moment where it's like how how physically can you restrain someone who's who's demanding to leave? Like, yeah, I felt like myself grow slightly uncomfortable. I was like, man, there's there's probably no easy way to handle this because it's like you don't want to keep a, an adult from leaving, but like she was clearly just exasperated. Yeah, no, it's a really intense moment that I think it doesn't most like rom-coms, even if they have situations like that, this was really intense. Like, I don't know what I would have done in that situation. It's it's a very complicated like, oh, she really wants to leave and she's having a sort of a I don't know. She's like trapped in this thought lock where she can't escape feeling trapped and being in the car probably makes that worse. And he just wants to be with her. And it's just like. It was really interesting, yeah, feeling like I I empathize with both. Like if I were Jesse, I'd be like, Oh, I I don't I'd like I want to make sure she's okay, but I also want to keep talking to her. And if I were Celine, I could totally be like, You wait, you're fucking married, you don't what are you doing here? Like I just can't I can't deal with this right now. I think yeah. it captured that moment really intensely. Honestly, this movie I think you could watch it twice in a row and have different slightly different feelings if you just pay attention to things from different ways. Yeah, I definitely got that impression. What this movie did lack for that the first one had for better or worse was like there wasn't the, the secondary characters orbiting around them in the mm. same way. Um, maybe it could have benefited from like someone to break the tension, not necessarily like a comedic uh, interruption, but fleshing out the driver a little more or something like that because he was just kind of a body. Whereas in the first film, like pretty much everybody had some sort of interaction. Yeah. I do. I do love Philip. He is. A, he is not 
I'm going to just let everyone know he's not my MVP, but for the only other named character in the movie who basically doesn't do anything other than drive them around and be the like personification of the time crunch. He's a master at that. Like when he drops them off and he's just like, Ethan's like, I'm going to walk her to the door. He just like in the background, just taps his watch like, all right, but we got to go. He's just always there. But yeah, he doesn't do what like the bartender did or the poet did or the palm reader did in the first one. And I don't, I don't know. I think you're right that that would have added a new element. But I also really personally like how stripped down this is. And this is just the two of them because the first one, they needed something to allow them to talk to each other. And I think this one really shows that they already have too much to talk about and having more triangles to, to sort of distract them from what they need to say to each other would have, I mean, it would have made it a longer movie and I think they could have got there. Yeah, that was ultimately how I saw it. So I ultimately was like, yeah, no, this makes sense because it's like, we just have to dig in as deep as possible to, you know, their relationship. Yeah. Um, And I love that you can see that he's married from the beginning. Like he's wearing a wedding ring the whole time. And just like all these little details, this is, again, we talked last episode about like the masterclass in dialogue because dialogue is so hard to write authentically. And this to me is like, how can you tell a story where there's just one camera basically following two people and have people do things that aren't spoken like this is almost the opposite this is like a master class in the way silence and gesture and the way you use your eyes and everything else can be so important and and getting just enough out of the environment like them getting on the boat and the back and forth as they go through paris of like what they're seeing on the boat just dictating the conversation like that has to be in the screenplay right where it's like they have they must have this part of the conversation beat, you know, they come through a bridge, this part of the conversation beat, they see the, you know, they see Notre Dame, like, you know, from, from a screenwriting perspective, like that, that's, it's gotta be really hard to write to, to keep it all flowing and, and shoot, but it, it just seems so seamless. Yeah. Yeah. This is, per- this is like, again, I keep referencing the last one because this movie is so tethered to like the way time doesn't really work the way we want it to. But yeah, all these, just these moments, uh, like in the last movie, it feels very natural, but it's also incredibly scripted. And the same thing, where it's just like they hit these beats to make sure. And who knows? Maybe the dialogue is is more playful, and they might just be able to riff on it. But they definitely have these like the talking about Notre Dame wasn't just oh look how pretty it is. It's talking about like mm-hmm. the church that used to be there and what's yep. going to be there, and and then just like yeah. these little stories about the soldiers who didn't blow it up and it seems like you know we might talk about that at a party but this really nails the metaphors for what this movie really captures which is it captures like i think this one is almost more of a fairy tale because the first one is like i can imagine meeting someone and walking around with them all day Mm -hmm. this is that fantasy of being like what if i feel like i missed an opportunity that i would never have and richard linklater's like well (laughs) <laughs> Here's what might have happened if you could connect with that person that you lost, which is yeah, this is round two. <laughs> yeah, it's like can can you speed run it faster? You know, it's like yeah, it's like <laughs> I think a, a gaming speed runner is like all right, right, we can redo this situation. Uh oh man, this sounds a lot like I've only watched the first episode, but this sounds very much like Nathan Fielder's new show. Uh, I haven't seen it. Okay, he makes me incredibly uh, uncomfortable, but I really. He's one of those He's people so I really want to love, but every time I watch it, I just like, I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I can't he, deal he right now. The envelope. 
it, it almost feels like one of his bits for it's like, okay, you get to do it again. Here we go. And then it's right. like this time it's like, you got to say more, you know, it's like you have to talk even faster and be even more exposed in your emotions. So it's like the third one, I almost feel like it's like they show up at a train station and they're just like, just yelling at each other and then just go at it in a, a bathroom stall. You know, it's like, like how do yeah. you escalate the the level of intensity and connection, you know, uh, a third right. time. That's true. So, That's actually a, a really cool way to look at this franchise is just like, the same character's speed like oh we just get to do this again which is uh it again it like it mirrors real life and it distorts real life at the same time because that's ultimately what we do a lot and richard linklater puts it in like a very special place where it's not quite like we would never literally have the opportunity to nine years later do the exact same thing with someone but i think we are sort of always rehearsing and always acting at the same time in some ways yeah i agree with that um yeah, pretty much every conversation is filtered at some level. Um, and, uh, and and that's a hard thing, I think, to communicate through film is is how much yeah, our characters revealing and how, how uh, truthful are they being? Because, yeah, <laughs> good acting and bad acting can can it sometimes can confuse you because <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, we talked about this in the, the previous episode. But, yeah, it's like, are they? being truthful but acting poorly so it's like you don't pick up on it or are they or are they lying but they're lying very masterfully uh as yeah an yeah so i felt like there was a this one felt much more fluid like uh, mm-hmm. i don't know i i, I had never had any doubt i was just entranced the whole time like nothing felt unnatural like none of the nothing they said felt really masked or stilted right which still doesn't like elucidate whether oh they over the past nine years they got their acting chops or if it really was just like they really were still good at being these are 20 something like early 20s trying to be cool trying to get along and that seems a lot like bad acting i think and yeah i think having them be much better at containing what they want to say and not showing their thought processes and their hearts on their sleeves this this again just sort of continues that trend of what's real and is like yeah it's such a cool project i love that there really isn't like he's the movie opens with basically like ethan talking about being an actor slash writer in this case but just like yeah it's all like everything i do is an autobiography because there's no other way for me to be me even if i'm pretending to be somebody else i mean it's still going to come at it from being me and that's basically what these movies are it's just like trying to be that like trying to encapsulate that feeling rather than trying to put on a good performance trying to like what actually is this performance even really doing to me and to you and we all know when the actor gets to play a writer you know they sort of like you know it's it's it, they, they dust off the uh the boxing gloves you know they like really like this is they know that this role is is it's got a lot going on you know they, mm. they really gotta train and take it seriously you know the the Rocky montage starts as soon as you're told you're going to get to play a, a writer or an actor as an actor. I feel um, it's it, because there's that, yeah, there's that meta layer to that where it's you have to be a writer. You have to have like this very strong worldview and, you know, you're expressing it through what you've written, but it's all made up because he didn't write a book, <laughs> you know? So it's like, he's telling this to reporters. 
So yeah, it's, it's got to be difficult to convey. That was that. a pretty sad book signing appearance. I don't yeah. know, man. I would have been disappointed. That was like Paris, and only three people showed up, and then maybe four in the background. Well, two out of those three, I think, were trying to get it. So I don't think it was necessarily a, a total loss for him. I guess he's a married. It's man true. But yeah, man, I would have. Uh, I don't know. If I wrote a book and went all the way to Paris to do a signing for seven people, yeah, should have done it at the monastery. Oh my god, they would all have been sucking his cock, and it would have <laughs> been a, a much better showing. There should have been, been yeah, beer, craft beer. Oh, <laughs> and then but then you know Julia has shown up, and they'd all been like, you know, just uh, monastery, <laughs> something, something, <laughs> something or other. Yeah nunnery something something convent <laughs> yeah i'm uh i don't know this movie i like find much more like i cry a lot when i watch this one and i'm not really sure why it's sad i felt i felt this some despair uh like especially ethan hawk um again just having you know just if you're if you feel like your life is this just inevitable direction regardless of if it's good or bad it's like weighs on you and it's like he was pretty explicit that like he understands the dynamics so it's like you wouldn't fault him for doing either thing. But yeah, it feels you feel this this despair. And then with her, you know, she just she sees it on a more global scale. Like he's he's more like I feel like Taoist Buddhist kind of like I'm going to flow through this and deal with it as best as I can. And she's more like uh, systemic in the way she thinks, at least from what I can see in the film where you know, it's like, oh, the world is, you know, there's global warming. And mind you, it's 2004 and they're going, they mm-hmm. went hard on global warming. So like, they you know, they, they were ahead of the curve here. Um, it's sort of sad that that's how long fucking like global warming's been in the popular discourse. And it's yeah, like, it was almost like, yeah, yeah, yeah she, he called her a commie. And I'm just like, I know uh, one of these people is trying to save the planet. Um, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, uh, it's kind of a big deal. And, uh, it's funny that that was like a contentious bit of dialogue for them where it would be just completely settled everything nowadays, you know, like that would be an afterthought to like address what they addressed. So, yeah, it's true. The, the world stuff, like we talked, like, you know, we, we predicted that he might be landing as a soldier and <laughs> shipping and, off uh, to Iraq. <laughs> yeah. But they did, um, you know, they sort of brought it up in a way, which was, yeah. I mean, I guess it's a few years and it's sort of realistically in the time. But um, yeah, there was a I think that's what's I think that's why I like this movie so much is that the adult distractions are so much more boring. Yeah. Than like the first one where it's like all philosophical and all like all this. And that's sort of boring, too. And I learned I love that this is just like we're going to talk politics and we're going to talk like, you know, there's just the chatter is so much more down to earth. And you're like what are you doing for a living? And it's just like yeah. stuff that it's yeah. just not, it's not as fun, but I think it's, it really drops you into what it actually is to be. Yeah. How are the kids? Yeah. You know, how are, uh, yeah. How, how is your relationship? How, yeah. What, what do you, what do you believe politically? Mm-hmm. It's just ugh, not, not the same romantic spark uh, floating through uh, a European city. So, yeah. Which is why the, um, I paid a lot of attention to when they weren't talking this time. And there's just like, that's where this movie shines for me is when like he sees her smoking and he asks for a cigarette and it doesn't, I don't know. It just tells you a lot. Cause he didn't smoke. Does he smoke in the first one? I don't think so. 
<clears throat> maybe once if he does. Yeah, not like consistent. Not like a lot of movies in the 90s where people are just cigarette to cigarette. Yeah, so the fact that he didn't smoke in the first one doesn't have cigarettes, doesn't have a lighter, but asks for a drag at first and then to have one after that. It's just like this mysterious storytelling thing, which sort of, I don't know, it brought me into this guy who like, I don't know, I've been there like outside of the, the fucking Indo where everyone's smoking and I don't smoke, but it's just like, yeah, I, 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 I don't either. I like, I've had like maybe one or two cigarettes my entire life. Me too. And, yeah. Uh, and they've all been in situations like, but it's like, did he smoke? Did he stop smoking for his kid? Like, I don't know. There's just so much story in a life and Richard Linklater knows and these, I guess it the three felt, of them. I won't, yeah. It felt a little sexual. I feel like there was this mm-hmm. subtext going on the whole time. It came up a lot. Like, I feel like they talked explicitly about sex more in this movie than the last one yeah. by a pretty wide margin. Um, So it might have been tied to that, like, or just, yeah, he was just getting really anxious talking to her or something like that. Like, he was right. getting up the courage to talk. So I think either of those are totally plausible. And I think that's what the three of them figured out was that, like, we don't like you could tell that they might have they have a much larger you know the whole like iceberg like they have the whole iceberg in mind and when they wrote the script and thought what these characters were about and then they just sort of let it out in like such i don't know i find you know the the like the listening booth scene everyone that's like a pivotal you know iconic moment from the first one about like ooh, does he kiss her does she kiss him and i think comparing that to the bench scene and the stairway scene in this one are just like, I love those moments even more than in the first one. The one where she's like, if the world's going to end, you want to just fuck me on this bench. And then he just like drags her to the bench. And then he's like, what, this is fucking weird. And, but then he's like, you can see his body creeping towards her and hers, like not really doing anything. Just like their body language is so cool in that scene. Yeah. And then when she starts to relax, like at her own apartment too, I thought the dynamic there was pretty, interesting so right where it's like you are now in my home and she's just very at at home and he's just laying on the couch just staring at her just just admiring her and yeah. um i was like there's no way he gets on that plane as soon as he was in sitting on that couch i was like no, there's no way he gets on that plane yeah and the them walking up the stairs i felt was like such a great nine years later to the listening booth scene where they just don't talk they like mm-hmm. they're, they're going up to her fucking apartment it's like you know, the date, they're like, ooh, what's going to happen? But rather than being just like listening to a record together, they're just walking up this old grimy staircase. But it's the same fucking feeling. And I think they figured out how to just mature everything to yeah. still make it feel like these are the characters that we know. But it's not so giddy as the first one. It's really just, I don't know, it's like so, so optimistic. Yeah. It is, it is very optimistic. It, like that was actually kind of one of the words I was searching for earlier. But also, it is that is it is one sort of like counterpoint, uh, not necessarily against the filmmaking or the acting, really, but like they are kind of yuppies. So it's like, well, how do yeah. you how do you um, how do you rectify that when you're trying to understand the gravity of like their decisions? Because, uh, you know, she's she is like what I would con- like a, a modern analog to her, you know, just like working at like an NGO and like really trying to make a difference, but probably like, you know, probably liberally minded just sort of like in in a system and then you know he's obviously an author and, and probably has a, a perspective that gels with that but both seem well to do um does that like 
change anything. I feel like it just gives them more options, which us as a viewer is good because uh, like it could, anything could happen, you know, like if he stays there, it's, it's probably not some undue uh, financial burden. Like you were saying, you just get on a plane, he'll be fine. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. Again, it's like, it's such a funny, the timing of the, I'm very curious about the the next one. Cause Mm -hmm. just, yeah, this like they are, it's such a, they're different people now. And the, I think, they realized that it's like, oh, the stakes are very different. The the stakes aren't like, but I think before, you know, he borrowed so much money from his dad, like being young and the idea of like missing a plane like that is a very different thing than being like a published author who has your flight set up by your agent and just like yeah, exactly. missing that is, is nothing. So yeah, yeah, it's like you could tell the fight. I mean, I don't know exactly when he decided he was going to miss his plane, but you know, it wasn't, when he was going back to her apartment, it was probably the moment he saw her. He's like, okay, great. I'm, I'm not yeah, going. I, back. I feel like absolutely. Like when I think that's why he was so insistent on her staying in the car. He's like, please, like I've decided like, I'm not going home. Like we have to try to work this out right now. Yeah. Little Philippe might have his say, but <laughs> you know, I loved Philip. He was such a funny little guy. Just there, there when he needed like, like a, yeah, like a uh, kind of like a, a hobbit familiar sort of just like <laughs> guiding them through Paris. Yeah, um, I was reading some trivia and those are her actual parents at the end. The guy with the pipe and the woman who comes out and talks to her in French. That makes but, total sense. Yeah. And, and that little aside scene was so pleasant. Just they're grilling in the alleyway. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's sort of like, oh, what a lovely just way to end the movie because, you know, they can imagine them. I don't know. Just like it's a life that it's a, that seems like a fucking badass way to end your day is to go down and chill with your neighbors, having a nice little outdoor gathering. It's just like greatest. These little details that we don't need to see, but just can feel. is uh, Yeah, they're, they're so necessary, but it, it seems like an aside or an afterthought. But like that stuff's so necessary to characterize everything where. It's like we're seeing how strong she is through all of that, right? Where it's like you see these people who know her and she has this little community and you go to her apartment and it's just like very stylish, tons of music, tons of books, like this, you know, a guitar, like this person clearly has has lived a very purposeful life. It's like mm. you can feel it. Um, and then, yeah, the song was oh. uh, something else. Yeah, it was good. I, I can't sing and play. I can barely sing and uh barely play and then when you combine those things forget it so yeah she's very cool she seems like a i really um i don't know i'd never heard of her before seeing these movies but i really uh i think she's probably a, pr- a pretty badass person in real life yeah i would definitely agree i think she wrote three songs for the movie including that one and i don't know like i'm sure that was her cat too maybe not but just like everything feels like mm-hmm. you always have a second guess now like was that her cat was that like it's probably her it grandmother in the pictures of blue valentine i kept thinking of blue valentine oh, yeah. when i saw this Damn. Have, you, have you seen that yeah that movie's fucking like the it's awful so heavy version of this yeah it's the american version <laughs> i guess so <laughs> yeah like he's just gonna throw his back out uh you know lifting heavy furniture and get an opiate addiction that's uh, oh, yeah. that is the way damn but yeah the scene where he's like playing music for her and mm-hmm. um fuck the actress not michelle williams yeah i think so uh, is it michelle williams okay yeah, and, I think and so 
he starts singing and she goes, wow, you're actually really good. And that apparently was a candid line. Like they were just sort of <laughs> bullshitting for that part to just see what they would do. And they kept the whole thing in, like, even though it was like a little awkward and like, it was just cute because he started, you know, Ryan uh, Gosling started singing and it was just so good that the, the actress broke through for a second and was just, you know, it's like, oh, you're, you're actually really good. <laughs> like, this That's is so funny, you know? So I thought are you, um, it reminded me of that a lot. Are you a Madman fan? uh mad men franchise yeah like the mad men show the television yeah, I, show I, I love mad men i thought that show was incredible we're going through right now we're just about to finish i watched it the first time when it came out but stopped at like season three so it's my first mm. time fully through and i think it improves personally yeah it's interesting it's, i mean it's not quite like this because it's much more fictionalized mm-hmm. but like the same way time passes in mad men and, and the way it like uses contemporary like events that were happening i feel like it's very yeah. much about that like spanning time in the same way that these are yeah the show does such a good job contextualizing everything where it's like they're in this swanky manhattan apartment and then the race they're watching the race riots on tv yeah. you know it's like God. i thought of it because peter is an actor who i really don't like and i because of that sort of it's interesting to think of like i don't like him i don't remember his name and i don't really like um the actor who plays Peggy either. So I don't really give a shit about either of their characters. <laughs> and there's one, the one scene where he like falls in love with his neighbor's wife. I was like, wow, he's fucking really good. Like what is going on? I feel like he's really good in these scenes. And then Amy was like, Oh, that's his wife. And then my friend and then co-host Josh, who's sleepy right now was like, they weren't married at that point yet. They just met. And it's like, wow. Like the way that, this actor who's like normally really, I find him buffoonish and like, yeah, see, it's me, Peter Campbell. He like <laughs> really felt something for this person in real life. And that like really translated for me in his acting style for just like those few moments. And then he went back he to being a grew dipshit. On me, you know, despite uh, being uh, not a great person, he grew on me as a character a lot as the show progressed. Like, yeah, it, 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 it Man, that show really shows that 60s to 70s transition it so does. well. Yeah. Like, how are these men going to react to the world suddenly being less completely for them? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I know. And it's a, even just like seeing how Don used to be like the coolest guy in Manhattan. And now he's just like a total square by season seven. Just like fucking yeah. pathetic. Don't tell me what happens, but I... So far, I've only watched five episodes, and it seems like he's just going to kill himself. He's really not having a good time anymore. Yeah. Well, old Donnie boy loves to land on his feet. I actually okay. think the ending is 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 really good. I won't spoil anything. I th- some people hate it, and I thought it was perfect. Like just buttoned yeah. up, perfect. So yeah, I've heard it's great. Have to let me know. I will. I think we're gonna do a Patreon show about episode about the finale. Because it's one of Josh's favorite moments of anything, I think. It's it's really it really is genius, and it does like we were saying earlier. It ties it to reality, which which is a cool thing about the show. Where it's like, yeah, the yeah the last season is very in reality. John apparently had to go through rehab because of his just like being on Mad Men. John Hamm, I, I believe it. I mean, yeah. like it it's an intoxicating sort of approach to things you know and then they're always drinking and like you're always around it so it's like even if you're acting you gotta like see the world through that lens like man those dudes were just 
a lot of drunk driving in the 50s a lot more mm-hmm. i feel like it was like it peaked in the 60s like <laughs> like uh the cars were at their most deadly you know yeah. like 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 a five ton cadillac with no brakes and uh everyone's yeah. hammered no all seat the time. Belts. yeah 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 it's uh it wasn't good but hey he survived and i'm glad um you know some of them did but rest in peace to all those who who didn't make it through the 60s <laughs> yeah well I, I think i i could see that the Mad Men comparisons here at least in some ways maybe more to the first movie uh because in Mad Men, like a minor character can inhabit like mm. a whole episode or be like yeah. very important so but yeah they really capture that i don't know just like having sally be you know a kid actor who knows what's going to happen in season one and she's like just become one of the most impressive important parts of the show yeah and just yeah it's like they had to change out bobby i guess but you know wiener's son still still pops up every once in a while as glenn so yeah it's it's cool to see how like you don't really know what you're getting into even if you have the whole show planned you still don't really know what your actors are going to be like and to age with people like boyhood another link 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 later You, you saw boyhood right yeah i did i did yeah it's just like what a I know it seems like gimmicky and simple in some ways but it's just like it really ties it to reality in a way that that relationship between fiction and real life is so important and link later it's a huge gamble yeah it um, is yeah something like that yeah all of these honestly most of link later's movies if not all it's like yeah he's really fascinated with um how things move even if the movie itself is sort of more realistic or tethered in a fictional narrative he still finds ways to fuck around with it a little bit definitely i'm not i'm trying to even think of like another director i would i would put in that like i i I think of like eastern european with time dilation you know i I think like soviet block like stalker Mm. where it's like these movies that are just like oppressively slow or or like sparse you know where it's like you are absolutely you feel like you're going through sludge you know watching Mm. it like time is standing still and um this is like the other side of that coin where it's like it makes you very present and, and things are flowing. You feel like you're walking down a street, you you know, you're seeing time progress, which makes it feel like that much faster. You're like, Oh my God, 10 years has passed. What, yeah. what, 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 what am I doing with my life? 10 years. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Have you seen, um, Siming Lang, any of his movies? Mm-mm. He's made movies for like 30 years and he's only worked with one actor who's basically played the same character jeez yeah um so if you're interested in this but i love it yeah it's so cool last name is lang yeah his first movie was rebels of the neon god and um he's incredible it's very quiet i watched them with some friends we had like a boring movie club where we would choose like three hour long movies where it was really boring and try to get into it um which i uh, yeah boring cinema is a a nice sect of of film i I love to torture my myself i've watched zikasia which is like a found footage like anthology that this guy found like all of these old films in a in a like that got water damaged in like the basement of a a library or something in in europe and just hacked them all together uh to Mm. make this like mega film uh and then put like this drone soundtrack to it and uh I got to watch that on film and that was cool. Um, but yeah, no, so sign me up. Uh, yeah. The, de- the Decalogue, I've actually watched that. Wow. Uh, Get a prize. Is, 
I, I do. I did not get a prize in the mail. You should get one. Go get one. I should. I should. I should get a. It's a little back pattern. I can just pat myself right on the back. The mail. It's like one of those big but, foam hands. Yeah. Only when you mention that you've watched it, you get to yep, yep. Bust, bust out the back pattern. All eighteen people on this planet. <laughs> I've never. I, I've never even started it. You know. I just. Uh, I guess I know what I need. <laughs> I don't need that. Maybe I do though. Who knows? I'm really trying to hands. think like where was I stretched my thinnest watching a film where I was just like if this goes on one more minute I'm going to yeah lose my mind. I've definitely gotten into that more lately. Like I've definitely had that feeling earlier with like I, I the first time I watched Captain America I just found it to be so bad and so like endless that I couldn't take it. I think I had the same reaction to beyond thunderdome but i think it's interesting it's like all these movies are ones where they are trying to commit so hard to making the world they're creating believable that i can't find it believable and i just kick myself out of it where these movies are just two people walking around and it's just like it's just a testament to related i don't even know if it's so much relatability but it's just like it's a confidence in the world i'm watching where i feel like i'm i should be there and not like someone's forcing me to be somewhere yeah Oh, that was another movie I wanted to mention. Have you seen Celine and Julie go boating? No, I actually have. I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of that a little bit. It's that's like way more surreal, but like Mm -hmm. um, it does does things with conversation. I feel like that are similar to this. Like uh, as far as like filmmaking goes, it's like way, way, way more like uh, goofy and silly and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, but like the conversations are, are very real and being super French also helps make those connections (laughs) and then also like this makes me think of like the whole mumblecore movement which i really didn't like i don't know if you were into those at all but i just like to me those were so on the other side of trying to like actually being real that they lost the fiction which is a necessary component for me to feel like i'm involved in the movie to not just be watching like bad actors talk to each other and it's like it's that Uh, it's hard to find out what like how does it work like what how much of one do I need before I feel like it's too much on one side or the other. And I guess this series is like that perfect happy place for me where it's just enough of real stuff and just enough fiction where I feel really invested in what's happening, but also I feel really transported by how real it feels. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not the biggest, like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Cause like uh, the, like Greta Gerwig, I think is like kind of who comes to mind with, with like, I guess, the the mumblecore movement and like some of that stuff like it's not a huge huge fan but um it's 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 a lot it's such a line to to flirt right where it's like if even in some of like tarantino's like dialogue where they it's like really 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 long dialogue scenes where it's like they're just going back and forth and talking and talking and talking um at some point that your brain flips a switch and goes, oh, I, I am now aware I am watching a movie and these people are talking and like this is no longer natural conversation. It's like so hard to not have that uh, switch flip when when you're dealing with like, yeah, like hour long conversations, you know, mm. like something like this. But it never did for me. I was just, you know, this whole this whole film, I was just listening to them and trying to parse what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, um, before we get to the MVPs and everything, and I'm going to get personal, very personal, because I feel like this movie fulfills, like, I don't know, I remember my mom when she was 
younger, she told me that when she, when she was a kid, she had like orphan fantasy <laughs> syndrome or whatever that is. But it's like the idea that you need like something different. And this, when I've watched this movie before, I've always felt like, oh, I wish that were me. You know, that like idea that I wish I could like connect with someone like where the first one, because maybe because it doesn't, end in a way that is meaningful and like it ends on like that weird cliffhanger and it doesn't really resolve itself it never really felt like oh i wish that's nice but we've all done that i think the like Mm -hmm. talk to someone for a while and feel really good about it and then not really matter what happens afterwards this movie fulfilling that like a gap in time where you're sort of down and you're like like wouldn't it be the best fucking thing if i suddenly just met someone that i loved and it worked out and this is the first time where i've ever watched this movie where i've like felt so comfortable where i'm at that i didn't really feel that pang of like wanting this it just felt like i was watching someone else go through it so that's a again the the time travel component of me watching this over and over again for the last 15 years has like also showed me where i've been at before and yeah i might have literally dumped an x watching this you know 10 you know five ten years ago like yeah and now i just watch and you feel bad it's like you still feel emotions you just it's more like proxy emotions. It's not like uh, I directly, you know, want this to happen. It's like, no, I just want them to, I want it to work out. Whatever that yeah. looks like, I want it to work out, you know, because uh, these people have passed the trust test. You know, they have, mm. I, I now trust them. They are people that I would like to have as friends. So now I want them <laughs> to have a good time. <laughs> That's true. I would love to be friends with them. They yeah. do seem very fun and cool. Yeah. Their opinions are not insufferable. Yeah. We've only seen them, though, in the context of talking to each other and they want to fuck each other. So I wonder how they'd be. A, I wonder if they're good friends, you know? They may be those people that are, like, you know, monogamous and get so caught up in their their relationship that they sort of abandon their friends. I'm not sure. Yeah. They could be those people, for sure. Yeah. She's a career careerist. So she, she is, probably hasn't thought about it much. And like she said, might have slammed the door on, on romance for both of them that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's nothing platonic about their interactions whatsoever. He's willing to, to, to abandon his son. Yeah. So, you know, that doesn't really speak great to. See, see you later, Junior. This is uh, making a making a decision here. Yeah. So I don't know. He's he's probably as much as I'd like to be friends with Ethan Hawke in real life and Jesse in a fictional world where I could go to these European cities with them. I think they'd probably just ditch me the first chance they got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a writer traveling, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't have any friends that are writers by trade per se. Right. Uh, so I don't have a frame of reference, but my comic friends who who are all paid paid and traveling comedians uh, are are very happy to hang out and do stuff together. Hell so, yeah! Um, maybe that comes from the self deprecation and like the the honest lens on yourself, and writers can get up in their own heads and think they're hot shit. Yeah, and also you know, as a traveling writer, you do it after you're done. Apparently, in his case, spending years sitting in New York. So yeah, I think as I've had some friends in bands and like trying to be in relationships when you're all over the country all the time. I think they're more likely yeah. to just be down to hang with their friends in whatever city they're in. So yep, yeah, I think um, 
Yeah, I'm not. I, I, you know, I take it back, Ethan. I don't think we're ready to be friends. But if you want to um, slide into, do people still uh, say that? Slide in? No, you don't say that anymore. No, no. I, I, I've, I have, I have missed. Uh, I don't interact a lot on social media. I use yeah. it to communicate straightforwardly, like we communicate on Instagram. <laughs> like this yeah. is, you know, or so. I, I don't know. I don't know what the lingo is. Oh man, I don't either. I'm I'm old. Do you have an iPhone, by the way? No, I'm an Android guy. Okay, that's why I use Instagram because I don't always get great service in these mountains. So sometimes my texts don't go through, but if I'm on Wi-Fi, mm. my Instagram messages will always go through. Gotcha. So. Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm I'm on like a Wi-Fi calling too because oh, I wow. actually get terrible reception here. Um, really, but, in the yeah. land of dreams or whatever in California. Yeah, once I'm far enough outside of Santa Barbara, I guess, like I'm in Goleta, so I'm like kind of tucked away that they didn't build the 5G uh, bird killing towers here yet. (laughs) It's insane. Immune to propaganda until they build that tower. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, I'm very happy for you. But it's wild that, you know, we like cell phone service still isn't a isn't a resource and there's like no one's committed mm-hmm. to providing it to anyone even though it's basically the way everyone communicates now it's really fucking weird well it's yeah. not weird it's capitalism yeah we uh we all know how that goes yeah. it's like why would we give it away for free when we can charge for it why would you we dumb. build a tower when we don't have to it's like it's like it's i mean there's obviously worse versions of like marginalization and treating people badly when they're not in a larger powerful group but it's like you don't provide a service to a a place because there's not enough people there even though they're the people that probably could like if you're out in the middle of a rural area you could probably really use that service yeah and if you if you deny uh if you deny me internet uh you're going you're going in the hague sorry like uh Tie, to tie this yeah. back to Europe, uh, you're going to have a nice comfy cell. Uh, might not even be comfy, so make sure I still have wow. internet. You, you heard it here first, leaders. All right. Uh, leaders of the free world. Um, I think it's about time. I'm going to... This is an easy pick for me, and I, I know we sort of got a little goofy last time. Pick some, pick some of the more controversial takes for MVP, but I think, to me, Julie Delpy as Celine in this movie is electric. She does a lot... I think if you graphed her... The, the ratio of who's talking i think she talks a little more than ethan does and the way she moves the way she acts like her hand not touching ethan in the car is when i first saw like had that moment where i noticed it and it's just like it's another example of just like perfect gesture acting that because it's after he says like oh i feel like if someone touches me i'm gonna just evaporate into molecules and she like so desperately wants to touch him and comfort him and and then they do hug yeah. later. But yeah, everything like till the very end where she's dancing like Nina Simone and walking around like she. Yeah, inhabits I mean, this you've movie. convinced me. So now I feel like I have to be contrarian. And, <laughs> um... I mean, it's it's happened. You can certainly like you can pick. I mean, there's not many options either, but there are just... they're, they're only goofy. Like I was thinking the lady up front who is just like straight up like Ethan Hawke please have sex with me. Yeah. And she was just like, like the one woman in Paris who liked the book enough outside <laughs> of Julie Delphi's character. Yeah. You know? and she probably like the book. I think she did. Yeah. Yeah. She really was hard like, on her. She saw the uh, inside cover, saw the, the portrait of the author. It's like, I need to go to that bookstore. But no, you're, you know, we don't need to pick different ones. Like there are certainly clear cases where there's just 
a power victor and uh who knows but maybe um ethan hawk just really vibed with you i think his character is just a little bit more he hides a lot more up front and he's very I think he just hit a low- lot this i think he still hit some stuff in this mm. film you know it's yeah. like he, i feel like he's gonna have to have the big moment in the next one Ooh, like, interesting like he's gonna it's setting it up for his crisis right because she's pretty independent you know so it's like once she decides uh her life gets easier uh his does not yes that's true and hers is pretty i think that's what's also really interesting is that like this whole you don't you cannot think about your life this way otherwise you would not do well but like the fact that this literally is like the butterfly effect where the thing that happened nine years ago is directly responsible for how they're feeling in this movie yeah yeah and it's just like so i think that's why this movie's so magical because it really does just like resuscitate a thing that is dead in a way that just feels really just i don't know it's so powerful it almost makes me wish I'd had more time between the movies to like mm. see if there's a more stronger emotional response, you know, coming back to these characters. Because I, I did have the thought watching it, like if I watched this having not seen the first one, would I have enjoyed it? Mm. And I think the answer is yes. Um, I do think I would have enjoyed it. It would have been more of like a, a sleuthing, you know, of like trying to put together what they talked about. Cause there was like yeah. what one flashback in the entire film. Yeah. Like, I feel like the editor forced that in. I feel it was like, you have to put <laughs> a picture of them when they're younger in there or nobody's going <laughs> to fucking buy a ticket to this movie. It's like, we need to tie it back just a little bit. Though I think those flashbacks really work well. I, I totally hear what you're saying. And they probably were thrown in cause they're like, we need this. But if you're going to have a flashback, the um, muted flashback while someone else is talking, the micro flashback i think pta is the king like in all of his movies he's got like one three second flashback that just like exp- like just punch you and i think the tiny flashback is really good and this was worked perfectly very early 2000s yeah um so are you going with uh celine or are you gonna are you gonna go with our i feel like i have man? to i could be a goofball and pick her her dad grilling in the alley because that would be me uh you know life goals kind of thing i want to be grilling in a paris alley uh with all of my friends one day uh, but uh he, he fucking knows how to smoke a pipe he really looks comfy oh, that guy that guy shorts and yeah. yeah he's on chill mode he's, he's hey i wouldn't i would understand and respect you if that was your mvp i'm not i'm not trying to force you into anything so really go but, with your heart. But honestly, Julie, Julie's outfit was just incredible. And again, I, I, I think now that I've said it out loud, like her arc has, she has risen, you know, her star has risen. She is now in this place. She's like feeling herself. She's dancing. Like mm. now it's yeah. like, all right, you know, Jesse, like what's up? Right. You know, like, <laughs> like, here we go. <laughs> that's so, you know, that's you, a really cool way to put it. Cause the first one had such a obvious, cliffhanger where it's like mm-hmm. oh what's going to happen in six months and this is like seems like an end but as you put it like he's got to get divorced and figure out mm-hmm. his kid situation it's like it's all on him now for this to happen and leaving it in this like lovely moment where it's just everything feels so good it's like yeah nine years later this is probably going to be weird and uh i guess that brings me how to the- can he as an author not see himself as anything but the biggest coward on the planet if he doesn't do this he's like he spent three to four years writing a book about this person clearly yeah. you know clearly some rose tinted goggles but for the most part like wants to be with this person and then like have an opportunity and not do it like that's like some like shakespearean level of, mm. of, of melodrama you know it's yeah. like 
I will not trust you as a writer if you do not pursue this 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 potential world. Right. And um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna get married. Uh, or actually, I don't know if I told you we're getting married. That's awesome. I love both of you guys, and uh, yeah, I feel like a two plus two equals five situation for you guys. So it's great. Yeah. So um, I promise that I won't be thinking about one of my exes while I'm about to get married. I think that's a bad sign, Ethan. If you're thinking about someone else on your wedding day, I think that's just yep. maybe you should not have fucking done this. Yeah, um, I was. I was on. I was just pure adrenaline. I was not thinking about any of my exes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll keep you posted. I'll let you know if um someone snuck in. Okay, I'll uh I'll I'll hook you up to the uh the memory of the the Men in Black memory scanner device. If, oh, if thank I have you. To. I'll uh, get rid of that for you. Uh well, I think um I am def. This movie I can definitely not asking when will it end. This is just like how to franchise. It's so okay. weird that this is the perfect way to franchise because it's just people talking, but. Uh, this is like those moments where, you know, I talked about it earlier, like I, this is a six star movie because it takes a five star movie and, and just like, for me, it just creates like the exact thing I needed out of it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to bust out the seventh star if, uh, before midnight <laughs> does the same thing. Yeah. I was pleasant. Like I was just, I was pleasantly surprised. I just enjoyed it. And it, it you know, sometimes I feel like film heads super super like particular people who study film and like get really deep in the weeds just it can can, can ignore a movie like this but this is like a clinic on how to build a character how to have dialogue how to show something that people actually want to watch um and to do it subtly through film right where it's like this could be a radio this could have been a radio program you know like we could have only heard audio and probably enjoyed this movie in some ways I definitely hear what you're saying, but those moments of visual, like where she tries, like there's so many moments where the like the silence is is fucking perfect, and and it's hard to do that, right? Like they, he, oh. it's just it's just well constructed where it's like you're showing us just enough, even though it's mostly just you know shot reverse shot them talking, yeah. you know. It's amazing. It's- like I think I could watch this tomorrow and be just as captivated because there's like like life. It's just you know we're used to movies directing our attention and mm-hmm. this is a movie that it doesn't like things happen all you the have time to like them and believe them to enjoy <laughs> this movie yeah like 100 percent. you know you're not going to get spoon-fed anything if you don't care about their lives and in somehow these characters miss on you like you're going to hate this movie <laughs> yeah it's it's wild like you could I, i'm just like thinking about if you watch this movie only watching one of them because you know even if it's on a small screen you still have to mm-hmm. like direct your eyes at something specific and see the rest in a periphery i don't did you have you seen the movie zidane no is it about the soccer player yeah and it's just like a soccer match but you just watch one player you just watch zidane and it's really fast i love it it's sort of boring but it's just like uh what if you watched sort of boring is my wheelhouse so yeah it's mogwai does the soundtrack and it's just like okay all right okay watching uh enough i'm I'm gonna go uh (laughs) gonna take take an edible and listen to mogwai and watch zidane play soccer and be like i'm 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 studying film sweetie yeah this is because this is a project he doesn't really play for as with most sports games like not you're not everyone's doing stuff all the time and i feel like that same idea is really present in this where if you just watched one of the characters really focused on them i think you could see something so different if you then watched it 
and we'll just watch the other person. Was this was this the World Cup game where he headbutts the guy? No, it's not. It's just like some random game where it doesn't matter. And it's just like they shot they got 19 cameras and they That's all so were cool. trained on Oh Zidane. my god, I got to go watch this. This is I, I love learning about a thing I had no idea existed that sounds like it was made for me. Amazing. If you're having trouble finding it, I can I have a copy of it. I can throw it in a Plex and give you access to my Plex server. Uh, I I will see if I can find it and if I can't, I will reach out. Sick. As you said, I'm um, a pirate as well. Yes, uh, so, we're just you know. kidding. Just joking. <laughs> but we're just kidding. I think Plex is legal. I think so. I don't know, though. Like, yeah, I'm just sharing. I, I have no idea. I, I, at this point, I assume uh, everything's fine. I think I have more li- uh, movies in the library in Lanesboro, so I could certainly get a, like a librarian's license, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't have to go to school. Maybe not. I don't think I'm going to go back to school. Just that's to... like a I, 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 that's like a backup plan for me as librarian. It feels very nice. I actually know a librarian. It was one of the first friends I made uh, when I moved out here, and he's like the sweetest guy ever. And I'm just like, oh my god, he's such a librarian. <laughs> just very yeah. organized, always trying to get like little community things together. And that's like, the classic librarian. That. Yeah, don't pay for that. We can get it for free. Is like his yeah. motto. Sick. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know. Did you? Did I, yeah, you answered the question. We're done here, right? We've did, we've checked all the boxes. I think so. Uh, it will. I do not want it to end. I'm ah. ready for. I'm ready for more. For more before. Great. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on the what we call the friendo sphere. Yeah. The friend. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna drop your Twitter handle again in the show notes. But is there anything else that you've done? that you want to tell anyone about like um, um anything you want well, to plug that people should be aware of if they like how you talk i and think. am writing a screenplay but i can't really plug that yet once it's okay. done uh i will plug it and i will say go and just if you know anybody who can work a camera get this bad boy in front of them let me tell you and uh i can give more details on that great but well uh, i'll be sure to have you back in the friendosphere when it's done and we can chat about it and do something else that would be wonderful all right well we're gonna finish up the before verse next week and um yeah in not nine years we're gonna do it a week so stay uh right where you are i'll pretend i'll pretend it's been a decade wow you're an actor that's great <laughs> that's the energy we love here on um with josh and charles productions i won't i can't act <laughs> you're doing great you're actually a, just a miserable terrible human being when as soon as that camera's off it was like oh, don't tell him know, like charles charles he just he put a cigarette out on my shoulder once but uh we keep him around he's a good guy yeah, yeah.